Hello and welcome to Ask the Expert, a daily series from 8.30am to 9am to help small businesses. If you've got any questions, please pop them in the comments or use the hashtag QBATE on Twitter. You can also send messages uh, through direct message to the team at QuickBooks if you would like. If you need any more advice, please join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. And during this live session, we'll be running a poll. So please do engage with it and I'll reveal the results at the end. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Carl Reader and I touched on the fact that we will be running a poll. Um, this poll you should be seeing right now um, and it will be asking whether you're looking to start or restart a business. And I want to elaborate a little bit on what I mean by restart. Uh, but before I do that, allow me just to share a little bit about myself and why I'm here today speaking to you. So um, my name's Carl. I I am, I guess, an accidental business owner. I left school very early, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, with GCSE Day yesterday, I feel extremely lucky that I wasn't in the year of coronavirus and where grades were based on mock exams because I would have had absence throughout. I'd actually left school by the point of uh, mock exams, started it's a YTS in hairdressing, didn't go too well, went back and muddled through my GCSEs. So um, I just have someone to thank up there for um, for not being in the position of relying on my mock grades. Anyway, I got to the point very quickly that I realised I had to get a real job. Um, fell into the world of accountancy, um, went from employee, performed a management buyout and um, built that business up to a multi-million turnover firm. Um, employed loads of people and did quite a bit of stuff on the side as well. And um, I wear a number of hats now. The hat that I want to wear today and to um, use as a basis to advise you today is around my new book, Boss It. So I've got a new book that's coming out in just six weeks time. It's called Boss It and it's about helping business owners control their time, their income and their life. And it's relatively unique. I mean, certainly that's the feedback that I've had from some of the amazing individuals who've reviewed it and provided some feedback. Uh, but it's a combination of both motivation, but also the practical implementation that you need to either start or restart your business. And in this post-COVID world, I think that it's absolutely vital. And I guess a silver lining for me, because... Whilst this book in any ordinary year would just be picked up by those looking to start a business, actually the models and principles can be applied to any existing business. Whether you're just looking to continue business as usual and maintain the status quo, or whether you're looking to actually refresh your business and come out of this current horrific situation with a new way of doing things, um, perhaps improving your profit margin, perhaps improving your lifestyle. You know, we've all had a period of reevaluation over coronavirus, and we've all decided what we like, what we don't like. And um, for example, the commute, uh, for example, the office. I think that. The world is in a state of flux at the moment, and this book will help you focus on what's important to you as an individual and guide you through a very basic process to help maintain your business, and also then if you want to scale up to help scale your business. So I'll talk you through those two key processes that I share. The first is the dream plan do review process. 
And it sounds really simple, but the problem is, is that at best business owners get to stage two or three. But actually, this is a cycle, and it's something that business owners should be doing year after year, month after month, even week after week. They need to make sure they have a big picture dream. And that dream has to be big enough to keep them motivated, to keep them coming out of bed in the morning, um, but not too scary to put them off. There needs to be a robust plan. And again, often the plan is... um, it's either far, far too big and you know there's reams and reams of um, documents and spreadsheets and business owners become spreadsheet millionaires. They don't get around to actually doing anything or there's no tactical plan at all. You have your dream, you have your plan, move on to do. The most important part, you need to actually get out there, do it. You need to wear out your shoe leather. You need to find new customers. You can't just sit there aggressively waiting for the phone to ring or for people to visit your website. You actually need to get out there and get these customers and build partnerships and promote your services and promote your product. Um, And then finally, and I believe most importantly, you need to review. You need to sit back, look look at your dream. Was your dream appropriate? Look at your plan. Did your plan work? Look at your actions. Did you perform the actions that you were supposed to? Review, tweak, and start again. And this is where it's cyclical because often people think stuff like this, you know, business planning and coming up with um, strategies and all of this stuff is the kind of stuff that you do at the start of a business. And you might revisit it if you need funding. You know, I'm sure many of you have considered taking on a um, C-bills loan or a bounce back loan if you're in business at the moment. And you've been told that you need to do a business plan and you thought, oh my word, I've not done one of these for years. But actually, this process shouldn't be a process of producing a robust business plan for the bank. It should be an ongoing organic process that you use within your business to make sure that you're consistently on track. Now, I mentioned that I'll share with you my scaling model as well. So I'll just give you a snippet of this. This is one that I don't talk about so much, um, but it takes up about a third of the book at the back. And it's about how I believe that businesses can truly scale effectively because Often, businesses scale accidentally without thinking about this stuff, and it has to be underpinned by the vision of the business. But within that, you need to have your leadership model, uh, and this is your uh, yeah, your vision, your values, your culture, all of this stuff that is um, taught in management exams. This is the stuff that you need to implement in your business. You need to have your staffing model, you know, how you structure your team around you. You need to have your funding model. How are you going to fund it? Is it going to be debt finance, going to be equity finance, all of this stuff. And um, you also then, most importantly, you need to have your growth model now down because there are a number of growth models. We've got things like um, franchising, organic growth, acquisitions, and so on. I know that I've gone at 100 miles an hour with that. If you want to see it in more detail, buy the book. Uh, That's not too much of a blatant plug, but the address of the book is carlcarl.to forward slash book. Um, There is a pre-order offer at the moment. So if you pre-order it, just send me a direct message through any of the social media platforms attach a screenshot or um, evidence of your order on Amazon so I don't have access to the back end, and I'll add you to the list for that. That brings me to a close on the intro of the book, and I'm now going to pick up on a couple of the questions that have just come through. So the first one is a question from Lily by Twitter direct message. So Lily has said, Hi, Carl. Love your work. Thank you, Lily. Um, I recently set up on my own as a freelance copywriter. 
I'm finding it hard to set a price for my service. I know what I think I should take, but debate if I should go lower due to the current climate in the world. What I've heard is that many freelancers are struggling even just to get work. What's your advice? So this is a really tricky yet topical issue that all freelancers and um, self-employed individuals, in fact, are coming up against. There is a fear at the moment of pricing yourself out of a market. However, I've got a strong belief that you need to be absolutely clear on what your value is. And the reason why I say that is we're going through a global shift towards um, freelance gig economy. But we're also, within that global shift, we're going through a period of globalization. And we're getting to a point where people are starting to use services such as Fiverr.com. They're looking to um, find the lowest common denominator to get stuff done. And with coronavirus, businesses are looking to strip out costs. Now, whilst it might seem the logical route to reduce your prices and perhaps open the doors to more work, I would suggest but at the moment, you you stick to your guns and you charge the appropriate market rate for your experience and your quality that you deliver. Now, why should you do that? You might say, Lily. Um, it's really simple. Once you set yourself a bar at a low rate, unfortunately, that's what you will be pegged towards. And your customers that you work with will always pigeonhole you at that level. And I've done it myself. You know, I've um, I've tried to take on contracts and lowballed. And once you've um, once you've compartmentalized yourself down there, then actually, you know, you really you really are quite stuck because to then have the conversation to increase your prices to where you want them to be, it's a much more difficult conversation. Now it might be, and just thinking a couple of steps ahead here, that you set your stall out, and let's say. Uh, as a copywriter, you decide to um, charge yourself per word. I don't know the going rate per word, but let's say you decide to charge yourself at, um, I, I don't know, 75p per word, and um, they only want to pay you 25p per word. If you've got such a difference and you're finding that everybody is only wanting to pay 25p per word, then actually you need to consider in your own mind Do you discount your prices to match the market rate or do you find some other way of adding value? Um, Now, that other way of adding value might be that you can provide them with extra services around it. It might be that you can produce the copy um, plus help them in production process. Or you might decide that actually you look to discount. So you could say, this is my usual rate. For the next three months, you are discounting to this, but it is going back up to 75 people word. That's another way of handling it, where you set the expectation at the start that your rates could go back up. Um, but what I would suggest is that you don't get involved in the race to the bottom. If you're comparing yourself to offshore copywriters and um, anybody and everybody, it will be a race to the bottom. And ultimately, there is only one beneficiary of that, and it's not you and it's not the others you're competing against. So, Lily, I really do feel for your predicament that most freelancers are going through at the moment. Stay tough. Look at how you can add value. Look at how you can differentiate yourself in the market, and good luck. Uh, the next one is from Hila, I believe it is, from Instagram. Thank you so much. And Hila's asked, um, what are my golden rules when starting out in business? I would say that 
despite the temptation to say that this has changed over um, COVID, actually the fundamentals are still the same. Um, I've touched on the dream plan do review process. So I'm going to take it a step back from that, if that's okay. Whilst dream plan do review is entirely appropriate to consider when you're starting a business, um, I've already shared that one with you and I want to make sure that I fill this episode up with value. So let's take it a step back from that. I think that when starting a business at day one, there are a few things you need to bear in mind. The first golden rule is that you need to make sure that you are set up personally to run a business. Now, I know that there's no ideal time to set up a business because there's always fear, there's always um, you know, there's always financial constraints, there's always time constraints, but you need to make sure that you're in a position to decide responsibly. So what I mean by responsibly is that you're not going to leave your family homeless if you don't earn any money in the first month. I mean that you're not going to be in a position where um, you, know, you really are struggling um, from a time perspective or something. You need to make sure that you've got enough bandwidth financially and um, from a lifestyle perspective to do this. If your job is taking 12 hours a day and you're spending every last penny, in fact, you're racking up credit card debt, that's not the time to start a new business. But I'm also not necessarily a subscriber of having six months cash squirreled away and um, making sure that everything's lined up because the world doesn't really work like that. Unfortunately, you sometimes do just have to take a jump and um, I'll come on to what makes it a good jump in a moment. So it might be that you haven't necessarily got six months cash squirreled away whilst that is, um, that is you know, what as a prudent advisor I should recommend that's not necessarily always what people do. But sometimes six months cash gives people five months to mess around and then a month to pull their finger out. So you need to understand yourself here. You need to understand what your motivation is. What drives you? Are you carrot and stick and so on? Um, moving on from that, I touched on you need to understand whether it's the right time to make the jump. The second golden rule that I would have is you really need to sanity check your idea. Because when, when you're thinking about starting a business, Often you look at it through rose-tinted lenses. And quite frankly, Healer, if you didn't think it was a good idea, you wouldn't be on this live stream today listening to me talk about it. So you've already bought into it. But entrepreneurs tend to not just have the glass half full, it tends to be overflowing. So you need to get external validation on your business idea before going forwards. You need to test the market to make sure that people are going to buy and that doesn't mean speaking to your mum and your dad and your brothers and your sisters and your best friends about whether they'd buy it, because I can guarantee you they would say yes. But the reality is that their spoken words and their well wishes don't pay your bills. You know, you can't go to your mortgage company or to your landlord and pay your rent with a couple of well wishes. You need cash in a bank. So the acid test is whether you can get them to pre-order and actually put cash in. The acid test is if you can get your market traction in place and actually get pre-orders if you can start getting traction. So they would be my golden rules. And it's effectively around sense checking yourself as an individual and sense checking your business. And once you've got those two, you know, once you know that there's a market, you've got product market fit. Once you know that you are the right person to run a business, you've sense checked where you are at emotionally, where you're at logically that's when you can dive into it. I cover it in the first couple of chapters of my book. Liam, I'll come on to your question now. Um, thank you so much. Liam has sent this in through Twitter. Um, 
Hi, Carl. I really admire your way of thinking, your background. Liam, thank you so much. My head is going to be bigger than this webcam by the end of this. It would be great to hear your thoughts on how I should think when investing in a startup for the first time. I want to make my first investment soon. So, Liam, I'm going to assume on this that um, from an investment perspective, you're either looking at crowdfunding or personal investment. Uh, the fact that it's a first investment, I'm going to make the assumption, and please do um, direct messaging if I've got this wrong, that you're not a, um, a trainee partner at a venture capital firm or something along that sort of lines. Um, investing in very small startups is notoriously difficult. And it seems easy because of the optimism that us entrepreneurs have. In fact, I um, I will share that most of my investments have gone south. And that is the case, I believe, for most small business investors. Um, I've invested in dating apps. I've invested in new social media platforms. I've invested in uh, just trying to think of some of the other brands, home automation and there's a whole mix that goes on because it's not just about the entrepreneur and the business plan. Uh, there's some alchemy behind the scenes that creates a great startup. And when I say a great startup, I mean a startup that's looking to scale through equity investment rather than somebody just starting a business. They're two very different beasts. And it's tricky to find the right bet. So the first thing I would say is and this is bordering on financial advice so please don't take this as um regulated financial advice but i'm just sharing personal advice from my experience is to make sure that you only put in money that you can afford to lose um investing in a startup is i would say riskier certainly at the very early stages riskier than um chucking it all on a roulette table or picking a horse at a grand national even though you've got the business plans and the investment memorandums and so on there is still an inherent level of risk so you need to be fully conscious that your investment can go down the drain secondly i would suggest you play small to begin with so before chucking, I don't know, 25 grand into a friends and family business, try chucking 250 quid or even 25 quid into a crowdfunded business. But, and the important part here is, perform your due diligence as if you're putting in 25 grand. So go through the process of kicking the tires, go through the process of reading the business plan, checking the ratios, of asking the questions that you would ordinarily ask. You will be a pain in the backside to the business owner. However, this is the learning curve that you need to go on as an investor. And once it goes well or goes badly, I would say, one in 10 startups get anywhere near returning investment from sort of my gut feel. But once it gets in, once, once you have your result and you see that nine out of 10 of your small investments haven't worked, you can then critically analyze what did, you know, what was it that worked about this business? What was it that didn't work about this business? What did I miss? What questions should have I asked? Um, you know, what competitive research did I miss out on? All of this stuff that, will allow you to really kick the tires of yourself as an investor to then allow you to scale up your investments. So Liam, I hope that was useful. I'm more than happy um, to share sort of further later on if you wanted to send me a message personally um, to share some of the experiences, but it's a tough journey. 
And there's a huge learning curve that goes beyond the textbooks and even beyond what you learn from running a business. If you've run a business yourself, Liam, you might feel that you've got the golden touch, you know how to do it, but that's because you're in your business and you control it and you design the outcome. When it comes to an investment, it's a whole, whole lot more trickier. Next question, which is Sean from Facebook. Um, Sean, thank you. Hi, Carl. So many business people are hitting a big low in the emotional curve. It seems that there is a energy and positivity fatigue. What is your advice on how to mentally get back into track? Well, hopefully, Sean, today you've seen but fatigue is like way over there for me. I've, um, I'm nailing it at the moment, um, but that's primarily due to bucket loads of caffeine because you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm seeing this. Great observation. People are um, hitting a point of, um, you know, hitting the wall almost. I'm hearing stories of burnout. I'm hearing stories of people contemplating some quite horrific things, um, people having to seek help and all of this stuff. So I, I am seeing it. I'm seeing it firsthand. And it's because as a community, I think the small business world have done something truly unique over coronavirus. It's the first time in my life but I've seen small businesses collaborate and share and educate each other, provide peer-to-peer -peer support and be there for each other. Uh, I know certainly myself, you know, not only have I put in effort onto the Facebook group and um, onto my content creation and so on, but also at a practical day-to-day -day level. You know, I've, um, I've made sure I've helped out the local butchers and the bakers and so on. You know, I've gone, I've shopped locally. I've, you know, I've done what I can to chip in and help the cause. So, yes, as, um, as you've rightly said, business owners have fought through this. They are getting to the point now where the light is at the end of a tunnel. It's not so much fight or flight anymore. Um, they're allowed to start trading again, but it's it's a tougher environment. You know, we have to comply with distancing. We have to comply with a whole new um, realm of rules and so on. So we've got all of that stuff, but also we are, as a whole, and I speak for myself as well as others, we are becoming exhausted. We are hitting the, yeah, you know, we're hitting the point where we need to switch off. So, what would my um, tips and tricks be to mentally get back on track? So, the first thing I'm going to do after this is I'm going to share an infographic that I've got around, and I designed this a few weeks ago when I first observed it. And Sean, as you've mentioned it, it means it must be a salient point that others would want to hear about. So, I'll reshare. Um, an image, and I will ask the team at QuickBooks if they can amplify it as well so that all of you guys can see it. Um, I believe that the very first thing you need to do is to acknowledge yourself that you're facing challenges. If, um, if you can't acknowledge yourself that you're facing challenges, then there's no hope for fixing it. So that, that's the first thing. And you have to accept that it's okay to face challenges. We all as business owners face challenges. I faced them in the past. And, um, you know, I know myself that I'm running 110 miles now. I know that I need to look after myself. We all need to look after ourselves. Secondly, you need to be good to yourself and look after yourself. So, you know, one of the steps that I've taken personally is to rejoin the gym. And I've made it an absolute must must not uh, must not cancel a non-negotiable three times a week go to the gym lift heavy stuff and don't check emails um so that works for me other people it might be a walk in the park it might even be just going and having your nails done or something simple something to treat yourself that is away from the desk away from the business is absolutely vital the third thing 
is to share. And it sounds very soppy, but you really do need to share with others what you're feeling, what you're going through. There's an old saying that a problem shared is a problem halved. I don't I don't believe that that's strictly true. However, the principle of it is true, uh, because if you speak out to others, you will find that others are in exactly the same boat as you as well. You can help them, they can help you, and they will be relieved that you've um, you, you spoke to them. But look, everything I've said so far should not be replaced for medical advice. Um, energy and positivity fatigue is one thing. Um, there is a challenge that it could border into burnout, which is an end result of energy or positivity fatigue. But it could also be um, potentially a symptom of um, mental health challenges. We all have mental health. Uh, we all have good times. We all have bad times. And if it is a mental health challenge that goes beyond a few tips around positivity, I would strongly suggest that you take some medical advice because uh, I'm certainly not in a place to deliver that. However, um, if you take some positive steps about just talking, um, being there for people, acknowledging your own fatigue and trying to carve out time for yourselves, that will go a good way. Certainly if it's just fatigue and early stages that will go a good way towards helping bring back some positivity now millie millie thank you so much for your um message through facebook messenger um amelia's asked good morning we're a small business selling organic skincare we're wondering what your tips are when building a social media following and how that can help our business any channel you think is better to use for paid socials so Millie, great question. It's um, it's not particularly my area of um, expertise in terms of product marketing on social, but I can certainly tell you what I've seen worked in other businesses and um, also what I observe as consumer. I believe that at the moment, uh, a lot of it depends on where your demographic are, you know, where your market are, because Facebook has a very different audience to Instagram, has a very different audience to TikTok. Um, they would be the three markets that I'd be looking at, potentially Snapchat as well, um, if it's product-based. But it depends on where your customer sits, because when you say organic skincare, it's very difficult to ascertain whether it's organic skincare for anti-aging or organic skincare that's perhaps more aimed at a, um, a younger, more ethical consumer, uh, because those two markets will be very different and they will play in different places. When it comes to building a social media following, I would suggest that um, you focus on engaging with your community. Um, engagement is key rather than selling. Um, focus on outreach. You might want to consider if you wanted to use influencers. The other thing that I would say is that influencers on TikTok, my understanding is they are extremely underpriced compared to Instagram. Um, from an advertising perspective, again, newer platforms tend to be underpriced compared to um, existing legacy platforms. But it's um, it really is a case on focusing where your demographic is, reaching out, engaging, and being social on these platforms. Um, with Instagram, they are introducing a whole room of new features that might be of interest to you, um, which are linked towards product sales businesses. So that would be an area that I would be um, doubling down on the one thing I would say I would probably not waste any time on um, Twitter if I was you because that that platform certainly for product businesses uh, as a small smaller business you're not expected to be there I don't believe your market will be there now we've got the poll results just in so are you thinking about resetting your businesses 
33% said you are thinking about it. 67% said, no, you're not. I would um, strongly suggest please do consider it because there is always a better business that you can do um, going forward. You know, business is like a learning game. We can always change, we can always improve what we're doing. So um, I would urge you to have a think about resetting it, even though it might seem daunting. Have a think about it. You might think, why why um, fix something that's not broken? But I would like to share with you just before we close up today about the iPhone. And the iPhone is probably the most ubiquitous product out there. We all recognize it. We've all seen the iPhone. Um, you know, we've, it, we all know it. However, the iPhone is a result of Apple disrupting itself and resetting its business because they had to deliberately put the iPod out of business to create the iPhone. So just ponder about how you can reset your business and what you can do differently so that you haven't got the business that worked for you yesterday, but you've got the business that worked for you tomorrow. And look, I'm conscious. I haven't been able to answer all the questions. Jared, I do apologize. Um, I am on again on Wednesday. So please um, feel free to bring the question up again on Wednesday. Um, now, what I would like to do is just bring this to a close. If you've got any questions, please get in touch with the QuickBooks support team on Facebook, or you can reach me on the Bossit Small Business um, Facebook group. You can also, as I mentioned, you can pre-order my book on HTTP, um, colon forward slash forward slash carl, C-A-R-L dot two. So that's carl dot two forward slash book. Coming up on Ask the Expert on Monday is Aaron Patrick. He's a UK Intuit QuickBooks certified trainer. I got that right. And also head of accounts at Boffitts. Aaron also has a great YouTube channel called Aaron Patrick, the QuickBooks chap, where he gives you a tour into the worlds of QuickBooks Online. Make sure to check it out. A reminder, if you need any more advice, please join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. Thank you all for tuning in this morning and have a great weekend.